Chapter 26 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Banquet on the Aerial Ship. The saloon, which was also the salle à manger, was situated in the centre of the ship. Thus the entire travellers could assemble together without disturbing the centre of gravity of the structure. The saloon was composed of woven cane and ornamented with a dado of sage-green silk on which were embroidered storks, pheasants and eagles flying through space. An elongated table, also of wickerwork, contained a sumptuous repast. The goddess congratulated the guests on their safety, which proved that the skill that had produced the aerifer had successfully grappled with the difficult problem of aerial navigation. The inventor of the aerifer said it was the apex of mechanical skill. Invention had raised humanity from the depths of slavery, ignorance and weakness to a height of empire undreamed of in earlier ages. Such material greatness expands the soul with godlike attributes. The ideal inventive soul, the typical soul, was a god. The poet said that the Aerifer was the symbol of that kind of poetry in which energy and art were an equipoise. It glorified mechanical skill. It had been prophesied that as civilization advanced, poetry would decline. There was a period in the history of Atvatabar in which matters of taste, imagination and intellectual emotion had been utterly neglected by a universal preference for scientific and mechanical pursuits. The country was overrun with reasoners, debaters, metaphysicians, scientists and mechanical artists, but there were no poets. Such mechanical civilization was unfavourable to their development. The founding of such institutions as the Art Palace of Naphisthasia and the Spiritual Palace of Egyplosis had grafted on their modern life, the soul life of more ancient times, until soul worship had become the universal religion. The goddess said that the aerial ship was the symbol of an ideal and passionate temperament resolved on discovering new spheres of spiritual beauty, so as to spiritualise the race. Such a soul ought to be free to surround itself with that atmosphere from which it absorbs life, it must choose its own weapons and armour so as to be adequately equipped for the battle. In its eagerness to climb on discovering wings, it must be accompanied by its own retinue of spirits, by enthusiastic and lasting friendships, so consoling to its nature. Such was the idea of Egyplosis. Captain Lavornal, at this point, stated that when the company regained the deck, he would put the rotating wheel placed at the stern of the ship in motion so as to produce the combination of a revolving as well as onward flight. These wheels, said he, will spin us around. By means of our double rudder, we produce both vertical and lateral undulations, which combined with the rotary movement of the deck will produce a delirious sensation. All the abandon of great and strong birds are ours. We can imitate the sonorous sweep of the Seamorg, who plunges with supreme majesty in the abyss of air. These elaborations of flight, said Leone, are not pursued merely for physical pleasure, but in a mysterious way they are the moulders of the soul itself. That essence, reinforced with such subtle and powerful enthusiasm, develops sensibility and assumes a grandeur and ecstasy unknown to those who merely travel on the earth. Each gesture of flight is a stride nearer omnipotence, an attribute more godlike by reason of its supremacy over those obstacles that crush and overwhelm. I shared the same seat with Leone at the prow of the vessel. The scenery had, in our absence, developed into a more marked grandeur. Under the spell of an eternal morning, of such light as poets only dream of, there rose on either side of us consummate rocks and cataracts that signalled heaven. The swinging pillars of incredible streams leapt thousands of feet into the gulf beneath. They charmed us like glittering serpents. 
the gorge, the rocks, the cataracts, the heavens of the earth above us were a prodigal feast to which nature had bidden us. As we explored the depths of the gulf, the aerifer assumed an undulating motion. For several miles the vessel kept descending until we swept through an overwhelming jungle of wild flowers. There were acres of roses in riotous bloom. There were trailing of wild peas sweet as honey, the blue of larkspurs, the fragrance of musk flowers and the swaying cups of scarlet poppies. Then the ship rose again toward the mammoth rocks that shimmered in the sunlight adorned with the tapestries of falling wave. Still upward we rose into the spellbound sky, feeding on the savage sweets of nature, the rhythm of the golden cliffs, the echoes of the waterfalls. We were the associates of mighty pines on the Theban peaks, spread incomparable solaces for mind and heart. Then, as we descended from our extreme altitude, we began also to revolve with a splendid sweep of motion until the landscape swam around us like a dream. It was a delirious fantasy of airy clouds, fluttering leaves, songs of birds, milky avalanches, balsamic forests and the awe-inspiring silences of revolving walls. The intoxication of such wheeling flight filled us with a strange joy. Our journey became wistful, eager, breathless. We became poets, and the soul of a poet is a chameleon that takes its glow and colour from the surrounding infection. The motion that bore us in daring circles produced a euthanasia of mind and an exaltation of soul. The jugglery of flight under such conditions produced a nirvana of soul and a dirana of body. An exquisitely sweet whirlwind of emotion swept through I know not how many souls on the Erifer, but certainly through the souls of Leone and myself. We both flew round and round like birds in intoxicating converse. During the progress of the flight, intellect, will and memory slumbered. I was deprived of the use of all external faculties, while those of the soul were correspondingly increased. Imagination and emotion were excited with rapturous energy. Leone's eyes sparkled with a celestial joy. She was again the goddess in her ecstasy. End of chapter 26